It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, welcome to this new series of Daily Thunder. I'm actually so excited to be jumping into the Word of God with you. One of the things I just absolutely love is looking at the entirety of Scripture and how all of Scripture pertains to Jesus Christ. Well, this series we are calling the storyline of Scripture. It's this idea of seeing the big picture of the Bible. And what I want to do over these next seven sessions is walk through kind of a big picture view of all of Scripture and how all of Scripture pertains to the main focus, Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at Scripture, it's interesting to note that Scripture is written over the course of nearly 1,400 years. It's written by approximately 40 different authors with hundreds of micro stories and characters, and yet Scripture has one single focus. In fact, perhaps a better way of even articulating the authority of God's Word, even though it was written over the course of a bunch of years by a bunch of different human authors, the reality is that there is one author telling a single story with one focus. In other words, when we come to the Bible, we have one story being told by one author, God himself. In fact, I love what 2 Timothy says. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at what Paul says there. He says, every scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired. That whole idea basically means that God himself is the one articulating scripture, that the human authors were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write and pin these words. So yes, while there are nearly 40 different authors writing this book, the reality is, is those authors are being carried along by one single author. And God himself is revealing one story. All right, I know. There are hundreds of different stories and there's lots and lots of different characters in scripture. And in that sense, it could probably be easy to get confused. But when you begin to recognize that God has one primary story, one primary agenda with scripture, well, then that storyline of scripture becomes incredibly simple and beautiful to behold. Let me summarize it this way. Everything in scripture leads us to Jesus. Do you realize that everything in the Bible points to Jesus Christ? Whether you're reading in the Old Testament, whether you're reading in the New Testament, everything is focused and funneling to the grand reality of Jesus Christ. And maybe for the sake of a cheesy illustration, let me give you one. If you think of Jesus and the cross as the primary focus, which it is of scripture, everything in the Old Testament leads us up to that pinnacle, which is the cross, and everything in the New Testament points back to that incredible reality. In other words, Jesus himself is the focus. So not only is he the author of this book, he is the primary focus of this book. I love what Jesus says as he comes into the New Testament. And of course, maybe I should say even before we get into that, we know that Jesus was incarnate, born 2,000 years ago. And yet, do you realize that Jesus has forever and always been? As he's talking to the Pharisees in John chapter 5, listen to what Jesus said to the Pharisees specifically about himself in the Old Testament. 
he says, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees saying, look, everything in the old Testament, Hey, you're searching the scriptures and that's a good thing, but everything in the scriptures pertain to me, says Jesus. They all testify of me, which is an incredible thought that as you come into the old Testament, what you hear then is a testimony, a proclamation, a declaration of Jesus Christ. The same thing happens in Luke chapter 24. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus is walking with these two disciples. And it says that they didn't recognize him, but as they looked at him, it says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Could you imagine what that must have been like? Here is Jesus walking down this road with these two disciples, and he literally opens up the Old Testament and begins to reveal himself through all of the Old Testament. I don't know what stories he would have picked, but could you imagine? I would have so loved to have been on that journey where Jesus is saying, see that? See that story there? Remember that moment? Remember that Bible character? Remember that entire encounter? That all pertains to me. When you look at the Old Testament, there's a variety of ways we can see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. You see him in the covenants. You see him in the promises, in the, in the prophecies. You see him in people, which Paul will call types in several of his letters. You see him in the key themes of scripture and the histories and the lineages. You even see him in the geography. You see him throughout the sacrifices and the offerings, for he is the great sacrifice. He actually is a portrayal of the tabernacle and the temple, that idea of God dwelling with us. He is pointed to in the festivals and all of the holidays. Even the Jewish calendar portrays Jesus Christ and reveals his very nature. The names of God all given throughout the Old Testament point to Jesus Christ. But look at this idea. We're going to be looking at the overarching story of Scripture but not just that, but even the individual books of the Bible, everything points to Jesus. And while we're not actually going to dive into how and, and the nuances of all those realities, in other words, that we don't have time in the seven weeks to do that. But what I'd like to encourage you to, to realize is that whether you're in Genesis 1-1 or all the way through Revelation or even the maps, everything in Scripture focuses on Jesus Christ and the reality of the cross. Again, everything in the Old Testament flows to that grand reality of Jesus and his work upon the cross. And everything in the New Testament flows from that reality and points back to it. So again, in this series, we're going to be looking at the maybe the broad overarching storyline of Scripture. We're going to be looking at the big picture and what does the big picture say or reveal to us in terms of Jesus Christ. And what I've done is I've broken this into seven key sections. Now, there's a variety of ways to basically break up the Bible, but I've taken seven, because we have seven weeks in this series, <laughs> we've taken seven kind of sections of scripture, and we're going to be walking through each of those, kind of giving a quick overview, but then looking at how that showcases Jesus Christ. And so just on our little graphic here, what we're going to be looking at today, number one, is this idea of the kingdom introduced and rejected. And of course, as we walk through each of these weeks, we're going to be looking at all the different parts of scripture. So let's dive into this very first section, this idea of the kingdom being introduced and then rejected. I just mentioned this, but do you realize that though Jesus was incarnate 2000 years ago, even though he was born of this babe, 
by Mary, do you realize that Jesus forever and always has been? That Jesus was there even at the very beginning. That it wasn't like he just came upon the scene 2,000 years ago and he just popped on the scene and like, whoa, I, I, I've never seen him before. The reality is Jesus is God himself. And what scripture reveals is that the God of the Old Testament, this triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, this one God is operating and acting and doing the very ac actions of God in the Old Testament. Which means that, yes, though Jesus wasn't born until 2,000 years ago, he was there even from the very beginning because he is that son. And so the triune God in the Old Testament, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, is acting and moving and creating and stirring and bringing about his redemptive plan. Look at some of these scriptures about this idea of Jesus forever and always having been. In Revelation 22, verse 13, it says, Jesus is speaking, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That he is the very beginning. He is that Alpha. That he didn't just, again, show up on the scene 2,000 years ago. He forever has been. In fact, John alludes to this and says it very simply. He says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So get this idea. Jesus, again, didn't just show up 2,000 years ago. He has forever been a part of human history. In fact, he is God himself. Therefore, he's never had a beginning. He has no beginning and no ending. He is the triune God. And you look at this idea that in the very beginning, here is God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as a king, he has a dominion. In fact, it is everything. And so here is this idea that God already has a kingdom and he is the king. Let me just give you a couple of verses. First Timothy 6, 15, it says he, Jesus, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 19, 16 says that he has on his garments and on his thigh a name written. And it says, king of kings and Lord of lords. He is the king. And as a king, he has a dominion. And what you see in the first few chapters of Genesis is that this king who has a kingdom establishes a physical kingdom on the earth. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God established a physical kingdom here on planet earth. And of course, as you work through the seven days of creation, you see this incredible creative reality of who our God is. And I love what Ian Thomas said. Ian Thomas once said this idea that here's an invisible God and he creates a physical and visible world. But how is a physical, visible world going to see an invisible God? So the invisible God creates humanity who becomes the physical, visible expression of the invisible God. And you and I, the, the reality of, of what God was doing with Adam and Eve we were supposed to be the expression, the demonstration of Almighty God on this physical kingdom. That's such an amazing reality. Now, when you look at this kingdom that God created, do you realize that Paul says that it was Jesus himself who spoke creation into existence? Again, Jesus was there at creation. He is God himself. 
And so when Jesus is speaking or when God is speaking creation, let there be light. Paul says, do you know, do you know whose lips that came across? That came across the lips of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians. He says in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for in him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together, that he is the creator of all things. So imagine this scene. Here is God who is the king. He has a dominion and he literally creates a physical kingdom called earth. He then creates humanity as the visible expression of who he is, that we were to rule and reign, but we were actually to point to the reality of God on earth. But what you see in Genesis chapter three is that we as humanity rejected that kingdom at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 3, there is this introduction of the great adversary. Here's what Genesis 3 says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which Yahweh God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said? Do you realize that's the same thing that Satan has been saying since the very beginning? The questioning is, is of the word of God. He comes up to Eve and he says, did God really say don't eat of the tree? And of course, Eve and, and Satan are having this conversation back and forth. And eventually she takes of the fruit and eats it and gives it to Adam and he eats. And of course, judgment comes and, and the fall happens and sin enters into the realm of this kingdom. That really what was taking place is that we were rejecting the king. Do you realize that the very thing that Adam and Eve were created for, this demonstration of the very life of God well, they rejected that humanity, Adam and Eve rebelled and rejected against the king. They chose independence and sin rather than relying in faith on the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you know how absolutely tragic that is? Now, it's interesting. Every good story has a bad character. Every good story has tension. Now, truth be told, I wish this story didn't have any of that tension. I, I wish Adam and Eve would just said, Satan, psst, no thank you. We're listening to our God. We are going to be the demonstration of God on planet Earth. But like all good stories, tension entered in. This fall happened. Now God has a serious problem on his hands. Here is his creation. They are supposed to reflect his life and, and his nature but we have rebelled. We have shook our fist in his face. We have chosen to live in independence in our, in our own selfishness and our own sin. What is he going to do? See, when the angels rebelled, when, when Satan rebelled against God, there in scripture seems like there's no evidence of redemption. There's no opportunity to be saved from that. Could you imagine the glee and the excitement Satan must have had when he watched Adam and Eve fall? When he saw them, that they chose the very same thing that he chose, selfishness and pride and, and that sin, do you realize he must have been all excited? Because he's like, yes, the very image bearers of God, I have caused to do the very same thing that I have done, fallen. And yet you see God step in. In this incredible reality, God provides a solution. 
And what you begin to hear is this first prophetic promise of this coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. God has a solution for our sin. Angels apparently do not get a second chance. And yet humanity, God so loved the world that he provided a solution in Jesus Christ. He says in Genesis 3, as he's giving out the judgments, he looks at the serpent and he gives the first prophetic promise. Listen to this. God says this. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He, speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Speaking of the cross. He says, Satan, look, you are going to bite this Messiah. You're going to you know, grab a hold of his heel. You are going to put him upon a cross and he is going to die. And yet it is that very thing that you think you've bitten, you think you've actually destroyed him, that's actually going to be your downfall. It's actually going to stomp on your head. And God provides a solution. How incredible is that reality? And again, that solution is Jesus Christ. So here is the God of the universe who creates a physical kingdom, plants you and I, humanity, on this kingdom and says, you are going to be the reflection of my image. But we have, shook, we have shaken our fist in God's face. We have rebelled. And yet God, in his overwhelming mercy and loving kindness, has given us a solution. In fact, Adam and Eve, of course, you know, they realized that they were naked and they covered themselves with fig leaves, <laughs> which... That had been uncomfortable. That had been horrible. But listen to what God does in the end of Genesis 3. It says that Yahweh God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and God clothed them. Isn't it a beautiful thought that here, for the very first time in recorded scripture, we have an animal sacrifice? Blood has been spilt for the very first time. And it's an amazing reality that it only, as scripture reveals, it's only the blood that atones and covers sin. We need a perfect, unblemished blood sacrifice. And so God chooses this animal, which we don't have a record of what it is. Though if you were to really ask me, it would just make sense to me that it was a little lamb. Because what you see throughout all the scripture is that it is the perfect lamb of sacrifice. That it is always the lamb that gives up its life as an innocent, perfect sacrifice on behalf of humanity. So in, in, in the Eternals, I will not be surprised if, if God says, you know what that animal was? Oh, it's so phenomenal. It was a little lamb. That just, that just makes sense to me biblically. But God chose this little animal, sacrifices it, and covers Adam and Eve, covers their nakedness, covers the exposure of that sin with a sacrifice, with an atonement. And you realize that that is an incredible portrayal, a picture, a foreshadow of the Lamb of God who is going to come into the world for our sin and literally cover us as garments, as Isaiah and the book of Hebrews says. That is so incredible to me. Get this idea. This is, this is so good and important. Jesus was not plan B. Do you realize that he has always been the purpose Jesus has always been the focus. He has always been the plan. That yes, God, God did not desire Adam and Eve to sin. That, that his heart is always for righteousness and holiness. That, that he is a God of truth and righteousness. That he doesn't want us walking in sin. And yet do you realize that when Adam and Eve fell, 
that he wasn't like, oh no, what, what am I going to do? I, man, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. All right, uh, Jesus, I, I guess you're up. Uh, you're you're going to have to go and you're going to have to sacrifice yourself. And I, mean, I, I guess you're just going to have to be the Messiah. And do you realize that scripture declares that Jesus was not plan B, that Jesus has always been the plan, that even if Adam and Eve never sinned, he still was the plan, that he was still the focus of everything. Let me just give you a couple of verses. This is so powerful to me. Revelation 13, 8 says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Yes, there was a moment in time 2000 years ago on the cross that Jesus died. And yet in the internal mind of God and the fact that he is outside of time, do you realize that he saw the reality of the cross even before he spoke, let there be light. That the reality of the cross, again, was not a plan B. It has always been the focus. It's always been the heart of God, Jesus, and the reality of the cross. That redemptive heart of God. Ephesians 3.11 says this, that this is a, was in accordance with the eternal purpose, the eternal purpose, which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is an eternal purpose of God. God has a specific purpose and a plan, and that has always been centered and focused on Jesus Christ. The purpose is Jesus. Do you realize that the eternal purpose wasn't just something that started when God created earth? That the eternal purpose has always been the eternal purpose of God. That from ages past, even before time began, in the very depth and the heart of God himself, he has had a purpose and a plan, and that has been the reality, the person of Jesus Christ himself. That he is the plan. He is the focus. He is the redemptive reality of all of history. God has an agenda, and that is Jesus Christ. So Jesus was not plan B. He has always been the plan. Paul said it this way in Colossians 1.18. He said that Jesus himself will come to have first place in everything. The ESV says it this way, that he might be preeminent, which means first place, that, that he would have the priority position, that Jesus would be the focus and the center of all things. Do you realize that God wants that true, to be true of your life? That is true of scripture. That is true of history. That, that is true of, of all things that God has in this eternal purpose. Jesus Christ is the focus and the delight, the center of all things. He himself is to be preeminent. And that is certainly true of scripture. Do you realize that the storyline of scripture has Jesus at the focus? Jesus is the creator of all things. He spoke creation into existence, that he established the earthly kingdom, that when humanity rebelled against God, do you realize that God made provision through himself? Jesus has been the plan. Paul says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize that the good news of the creation event, the fact that God introduced the kingdom and, and the people of the world rejected him, do you realize that we have that same problem? Just as Adam and Eve chose independence and sin, just as they shook their fists in the face of God and said, God, I want to do my own thing. Do you realize that we've done the same thing? That we have rebelled, that, that we ha 
we are, we are shaking our fists in rebellion to his face saying, hey, I want to live in my own world. I want to live independently. I want to live in my sin. And yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is that provision. He is that prophetic promise that was to come. That he is that declaration to the serpent saying that Christ was going to stomp on his head. That he is that clothing of covering. Isaiah says that he's that Jesus is the robe of righteousness that we wear. He is that clothing, that atonement covering that you and I get to experience. Do you know how phenomenal that is? Jesus is the provision. And when you and I choose to live in that provision, when we live in that salvific forgiveness of God himself by faith, do you realize, as Jesus said in Matthew 25, that the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Listen to this. Inherit the kingdom, which has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There is a kingdom that has been prepared even before God said, let there be light. And you and I get to participate and get to involve ourselves in that kingdom. We get to inherit that kingdom when we embrace Jesus Christ. Paul said in Ephesians 1.4, he says that you were chosen in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that you would be holy and blameless before him in love. Do you realize that even before God spoke, let there be light? that you are on his mind, that you have been chosen before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless. See, you are an image bearer of the holy God. And he has called you and I to walk in holiness and blamelessness in righteousness in truth, that the, when the world looks at you and I, they are to see Jesus Christ once again on this world. Again, Ian Thomas said that here's an invisible God who creates a physical visible world but how is this physical, visible world supposed to see an invisible God? Well, God made us to be the image bearers through which the world can see the reality of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that you have been chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love? Would you embrace that reality of Jesus Christ? Well, would you begin to realize that Everything that you need for life and godliness is found in Christ Jesus. And the incredible reality of this word is that every page of scripture points to Jesus Christ. And again, over these next several sessions, we're going to be walking through the different parts of scripture, but I want you to hold fast to this idea that all of scripture leads us to Jesus Christ. This book, even though it was written over the course of 1,400 years by nearly 40 different human authors, this book actually only has one author. It has one key storyline. Yeah, a lot of sub-stories, a lot of sub-characters, but there is one main storyline, one main focus of this book, and it is the reality of Jesus and his redemptive work upon the cross, that he is trying to restore the reality of us being image bearers in this world. He has a kingdom and he's inviting us to participate in the reality of him being the king of kings and the Lord of lords in his kingdom. So again, just as a little preview of the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through these seven sections. Again, you can organize scripture in a variety of ways, but here are my seven ways of organizing scripture. Today, we talked about the kingdom introduced and rejected. Next time, we'll talk about the kingdom, the people, and the promise. 
And as we work through these next seven sessions, I want you to gain a vision for the reality of the storyline of Scripture is all about Jesus Christ. With that being said, I, I wanted to kind of give you a bonus teaser or a bonus opportunity if you want to take advantage of it. Uh, I have my own podcast called The Deeper Christian Podcast. And one of the things I decided to do is that as I'm working through this storyline of Scripture series, that I'm going to be giving what we typically call Christophanies, these glimpses of Jesus all throughout, specifically the Old Testament, but really all of Scripture. And so over these next seven weeks, I'm going to be taking one of my favorite glimpses of Jesus in whatever section that we're looking at, and I'm going to be kind of given a greater insight or a, a way to see the reality of Jesus in that part. So the episode that just released with this episode, I'm walking through creation and I'm showing an amazing reality that as you look at the days of the week, you can actually see the fullness of the gospel and the reality of Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to join me on this kind of this bonus side series, not only in the storyline of scripture series, but in this bonus kind of this behind the scenes glimpsing of Jesus in these Christophanies throughout the Bible, I would encourage you to look at this Deeper Christian podcast, and I'll put a link for all of that in the description for each of these episodes. Can I encourage you afresh to keep your gaze on Jesus Christ? He is the focus. He is to be preeminent and central to our lives, just as he is central to the word of God. I am so excited for all that God is doing in these days. And my desire is that we would know this word better than ever before. Satan has always been trying to say, did God really say? And do you realize that the only way we will know whether or not God has actually said is we need to be in this book. So can I encourage you delight yourself in Jesus, saturate yourself in his word and find life in him to the fullness. Well, until next time, God's blessings. I'm excited to join you in this series of the storyline of scripture. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.